Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, happy Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday, whatever day you're listening to this. Um, Happy day, happy weekend. Hopefully it's still the weekend for you. Sad if it's not. I am talking to you from Friday morning from uh, Ben Dorgan, staying with my buddy. He's got a wedding this weekend. Um, It's all very exciting. Uh, You are about to listen to a podcast recorded yesterday with one Rob Sacre from Louisiana. That's why he sounds like, well, he very much sounds like he's from Louisiana. You'll see in a second. Uh, And then Tom Hudson uh, was good enough to stop by to recap what the hell happened uh, in Texas last week against Tennessee. Uh, Obviously, you guys know that uh, Chris Stanford, Gonzaga's AD, had a meeting with the Big 12 commissioner. Guess what? That's all we know. Um, Nobody knows anything more than that outside of maybe like three or four people in the athletic department and some people in the Big 12. Uh, Let's not get our panties in a twist. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being... Negative Nancy here. I would love to see Gonzaga leave the conference and go to the Big Twelve, but I mean we've we've done we've been down this road before, so let's not make anyone any promises. Um, that was kind of my stance, and I was just kind of ready to just discuss it further if anything else happened. But then I saw Bob Huggins quote the same Bob Huggins who we've dominated over the last ten years. Um, he said. I would think it would be a tremendous awakening for Gonzaga to join the Big 12. <laughs> and if you go to ESPN.com, brilliant writing here, uh, they follow the article up with this. Gonzaga has produced 11 first-round NBA draft picks under a few. West Virginia has produced one first-round pick in the draft since 1968. Brilliant. Um, absolutely brilliant. Uh, you are going to see me look for an ad earlier in the or early in the podcast. Uh, and I just stopped because I didn't want to read the right one. Here is the right one. Basketball is back, baby. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, players, news, and game trends at Bet Online. Uh, and as you as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get to it. Happy, f- I already said happy Friday. Just here's the podcast. USA! Shot clock turned off. Calvary. Hall. Eight to shoot. Hall. The runner. Loose ball. It's good. Williams Goss comes out of the pack. Matthews for three. Oh, my goodness. Morrison. Six. It's time for Zag Hoop Talk with Jack and Zach on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, wow. Here's Jack Ferris. They found mold in my apartment. And Rob Sacre. All I was thinking about is, like, how do you know what things to use to wipe? Come on, baby, Second Jack, he's Rob Sacre. I'm Jack Ferris. I'm at home. I mean, I'm at home. I'm at home. I just, it's a different home than most people are used to. 
Right. Okay. Well, I was going to give you credit. I'm credit to me because it's six fifteen in the morning on the on the left coast. But then uh, shouts to Rob for joining us from the Bayou, from yeah, ba- from Baton Rouge, from the Red Barn, from, from the Red Barn. It's, it's called Red Stick, but uh, Baton Rouge. Yeah, I think it's isn't it the, Red Barn? No, Red Stick, based on the uh, Mississippi. Baton Rouge, meaning in French in English, Red Stick. God damn it. <laughs> I'm right. on it, baby. I got you. The I red stick. Um, the it was based on the Mississippi being, which I just heard. They just told me parts of the uh, Mississippi is like uh, the world's going upside down. We've talked about it, but parts of the Mississippi is is so shallow they can't get the barges to go through. Oh man, I had a question for you, Jack. Did you? I will tell you that this show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. But go ahead. What was your question? They're the best. No, it doesn't matter. I it'll come to me. It was something I wanted to ask you about your life, but I can't remember. Okay. <clears throat> it'll come to BetOnline.com. BetOnline.ag. Well, I was hoping you could vamp there because I'm um, frantically searching for the ads. Um, no worries, because we could talk about anything. We even talk about Zags after watching. Oh, there's that. two, two games, two games to discuss. Um, a fifty point swing in terms of um, margin of victory for the Zags. A twenty point loss Which, and a thirty point win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 well, you know what? As I'm downloading this, yes, downloading. As I'm downloading this ad copy, Rob, uh, your impression upon reflecting on the Zag score, the box score from Tennessee. You know, I really am nervous about a three-point shooting. Obviously, it's one game, so you can't dictate it off of that. But, man, am I, I – I hate to say this because I'm a big man. I hate to say this. But I don't know how you incorporate a big man into the style of basketball that we live in today. Uh, What are you talking about specifically? Give me a name. Not Timmy. Well, it, Timmy and... You're just talking about in general. This is a, this is a blanket statement. Well, I say that in general for the fact that, like, if you look at Timmy, probably, if not one of the greatest college players sure. of all yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Of all time. But that means he has to score at a high clip for us to be successful, which he does. But it has to be in a, a fast time. We cannot wait on posting him up consistently. Mm-hmm. We have to it, we either because the, what's happening is now teams are coming in and pulling three. Like, that's just with the era of basketball. They're coming down shooting threes in 14 seconds, two threes in, let's say, 30 seconds when we're coming down to post Timmy up for in 30 seconds and getting him the ball in 30. So, granted, do I think we need to give him the ball? Absolutely. But how do you – how do you 
translate that into today's basketball game? I don't think I'm uh, breaking any news when I say Timmy needs two things to be successful in the post. One time, two space. Uh, yeah, and like you said, when we don't have any three-point shooters and guys are crowding the paint, he doesn't really have either. He's forced to kick right. it out. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I... It's going to be the biggest struggle because, hey, that is going to be our biggest challenge is everybody's going to shut down Timmy. That's gonna be right. That's gonna that's gonna be number one in the scouting report, right? Let's 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 not let this guy beat us. Let everyone else beat us, and we need everyone else to prove that they we can beat teams before people aren't going to have to be. Is their number one objective defensively? And don't get it twisted. There be sometimes I like this game plan when teams do this is not just to us, but in general is. All right, we'll let the, their best scorer go to work, and we'll just shut down everyone else too. Um, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I we'll get more into it's it tough, man. We'll it's more, tough. We'll get more into it with Tom Hudson on the back half of this call. Um, you know, there's two sides of this Tennessee argument. Um, one is, hey, it's a preseason, preseason, preseason exhibition game. Who cares? Like, we may have been buttery soft defensively. Few's not going to show his cards. Make, you know, don't worry about it whatsoever. That's one angle. The other angle is guys who will be playing serious, serious minutes got ran out of the gym in the second half, and that is certainly cause for concern. I see both <laughs> sides of it. Uh, and we, and I, I think both sides are right. You know what I mean? Like, I, even, I don't even obviously if we, think we need to pair. There's no, I, no sure, no, sure, but there certainly is. Even if we were playing, you know, very vanilla scheme sets defensively in the second half, there's still athlete versus athlete. We still should have been able to play pickup with those guys and not lose by 20. Does that make sense? Uh, one, one, absolutely. I completely agree with you in the sense that, like, Obviously, it's the first game, and in public, we've had scrimmages or whatnot. It's it's just a scrimmage, end of the day. So we're and it's not in March, so there's no point of panicking. But I think this is where we kind of have to find, and this is why it's so important that we find those guys early in the season, so then we can just keep progressing on our who's our guys for the rest of the year. Right. I think I think a lot of it had to do with it's been a long time since I've seen the Zags get rolled like that on TV. And that, by the way, did you see that new article that just came out? No, the Big Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be exactly what we need. Well, honestly, I, I mean, because because. Granted, Kansas obviously always competes or whatnot, but they you see them get beat every once in a while in the Big Twelve. Oh, you sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen the Gonzaga unless it's in the final, like unless it's in the tournament. We haven't seen a loss. Did we even have a loss last year? We have. Um. Lost. Yes, we lost to St. Mary's. Um, St. Mary's. 
it had been quite some time since I can't remember the last time I was sitting on my couch watching the Zags on TV, think feeling hopeless, like, oh, this is a lost cause. And again, it doesn't doesn't matter. I know that. It was October basketball. Um but I mean what comes to mind obviously is the Baylor National Championship blowout. And I guess you can make the case for Alabama last year in Seattle. But even that game just kind of got away from us in the last like four or five minutes. It didn't really right. feel w- with 10 minutes to go that we were going to lose. Uh, right. This was this was just different. This just felt like, oh, God, we are – they are uh, a half a step, a full step ahead of us. Are we drunk? Yeah. Are we um, drunk right now? Like, yeah, what is going on? So it had been a while since it looked like the team was kind of out of sorts. Uh, and that was that was certainly off-putting. But we'll see. Tom Hudson's going to break it down more for us uh, on the se- back half of this episode. I love seeing him on the – he needs to be more on, on TV. Yeah, let's talk about the bright Not behind the radio. How about Tommy Hudson? Just being – yeah, just doing his thing Running the show TV. with Fran Fraschilla in tow. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I was watching it from my son's basketball game at – Shot 360. Shout out to Dan Dickow. Shot 360. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I watched it there, and I'm like, look at Huddy, man. Huddy looks like he knows what he's doing. Uh, the background is in television. Lest it you forget, is. background is uh, is creme, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, I, will, one, I will say I was very impressed with the broadcast last Friday night. It looked like a game that should have been on Thursday night on ESPN. Yeah, it was very, very well done. I agree. No, everything was good. It was really cool how they set that thing up, and I I hope they actually do it in the future for many games, honestly. So, you know, it's pay-per-view, so there's no – they didn't sell any ads for it, as meaning um, no commercial breaks, which is especially tough on a broadcast crew to just not take any breaks throughout – the two hour plus broadcast. Uh, so oh. did you see they brought on special guests throughout? Like no, legend, I didn't legends, see that. legends of both Tennessee and Gonzaga basketball. No so way. You, so you didn't see Jeremy Pargo on the I broadcast did. for four or five minutes. Jeremy. No, I did. Jeremy showed up rocking a sweatshirt with a picture of himself. Back when you guys played Tennessee in the battle in Seattle, what would have that been like? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand. Was it before New Year's or after New Year's? It would have been December. So December, probably two thousand eight, or was that UConn? Seven. I, I gotta look it that up. That was seven. I got basketball. Two thousand seven eight. No, so it would have been December two thousand seven. Hmm. Oh, eight was when we went to Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Who knows? It was a, it was a time when you guys played. Actually, you guys played Tennessee like three, four times. There was once you played them twice. That, in a season. That, that no, we played them three times. I thought in one or two times. Two times you're right. Two times was uh, the next year. Oh eight, oh nine. That year was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, your boy. Jeremy was rocking a sweatshirt with a picture of himself playing Tennessee. And I don't know. That doesn't surprise me. I don't know if that was 
just a sense of humor thing or just him letting people there know that he was his ag player and he once in fact did play Tennessee. Well, uh, either way I want to sweat either way I want to sweatshirt. I am. I want a sweatshirt to come on the show. I want a sweatshirt of me in college that I can wear to Zag games. Oh, just a picture man. of me watching Zags from college. Oh boy. Just to let people know that I went to school here. Face bloodshot red just mm-hmm. been having a good old time. I couldn't mm-hmm. do that. I get it. 714 uh, shirt. There's definitely I mean there's some pictures out there that exist. Um, it's just a matter of me. I mean, I say a lot of things that I don't don't do. So, this would just be another one of me grabbing a picture from college and slapping it on a sweatshirt. Probably not in the cards. Um, but uh, how was Halloween? Did awesome. Uh, I actually love that holiday, man. Halloween's so much fun. So much fun, bro. Uh, where'd you guys go for the the tricking and the treating? We went off of uh, off of Lincoln. There's a neighborhood off of Lincoln. We went in there, and the thing is that South so Hill cool is like no, 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 no. Lincoln. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's up north. It's in the north side, buddy. Okay, it's the north side, Lincoln. Anyways, we went through there, and uh, there's like this guy. He was dressed up as a clown, and like each time, he was terrifying, by the way. <laughs> Each time the kids would like start getting closer to like the pole or whatnot uh, on his doorstep, he'd just like slowly creep behind them and they had no idea. I thought it was the funniest shit I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, there's two, there's two kinds of parents on Halloween those who are down and say scare the shit out of my kids and those who are offended by it. And it sounds like you're the, yeah, father. well. Yeah, I'm. I can't even. Yeah, dude. There's there's so much I can say on that topic right now. It's just I don't. I think we should let kids be kids. Remember what it feels like to be Halloween. Be afraid. Come on, man. That's what the best part about it is. Now, Q's eleven, right? About to be twelve. Yeah, he didn't hang out with us. He didn't hang out with us. Is he? Is he, is he um, sleeping bag or uh, pillowcase age? Oh, all of us did pillowcases. You all go good for you. You're a good parent. You got to go pillowcase. Yeah, like I'm not gonna buy you a, a tote or whatever they have these new things that kids carry and like, like pumpkins or whatever. no, 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 no. And you you fill that up in four houses. You go pillowcase. You bingo. You go you go pillowcase and you tell yourself I'm gonna fill it up to the top, and then you go to like. I don't know, 20 houses and you realize you've barely made a dent in the pillowcase. You're like, Oh my God, right. it's going to be a lot harder than I anticipated. Right. I'm going to fill this one up. I'm going to get it. I'm, I'm going to go to every house, every today, house in I town. Swear. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go twice. To every house. I'm going to go, I'm going to do every house twice. doesn't matter. I'm filling up this pillowcase. Not the case. You're not filling it. Ooh, you're not filling up that pillowcase, bud. Um, you remember, I, I, I feel like I always remember getting in trouble on Halloween, doing something I shouldn't have done. Not like serious trouble, but like Q's age, like grabbing, grabbing like, pumpkins or something, or like staying out too late and not because this is back before cell phones when we're that age, right? Like I'm supposed to call my parents at X time and they come pick me up there. It's just right. not calling my parents, like calling my parents like 30 minutes late. 
and they're like, "What are you doing? Get, yeah, get exactly. in the car! Exactly, get exactly. in the car!" And they're mad like What's that. What's wrong night. with you, Jack? But they're just mad that they had to stay up like an extra half hour, rather than get yeah. back home and drink their cocktails, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, like being a parent on the other end. It's like, like, oh man, I gotta go pick this. You feel like a chauffeur. You're like, I gotta go pick this kid up. I got the other side of town. Sure yeah, why I gotta go pick have... this kid? Yeah. Where was Q? Where was Q trick-or-treating? He was just in our neighborhood. Um, there's a little neighbor subdivision not too far from our house. And uh, he went through there running with his buddy from basketball and, and school. And they just tore up the neighborhood. And I then when, by the time I got there, I told him I'd pick him up at 830 at his buddy's house. I'm thinking like. I got there at like 8.05, 8.10, thinking that, okay, let's give him enough time to get back. Right? Yeah, right, 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 right. Have him beat us. Don't let me. Yeah, right. Good for you. Right. No, he's still, he's in the house. I'm like, what are you doing? Get out like, there. You should be out there. Yeah. yeah I mean, thank you. I was pissed. You're the one parent who's pissed his kid's home early on Halloween. I'm like, what are you doing? Disappointed. Like, yeah, like you should be your well, I'm tired, Dad. Oh <laughs> my god. No work ethic, these kids. These yeah, kids. none. None. <laughs> makes me sick. Makes uh, me absolutely sick. Uh how long are you in the bayou? The bayou. We're going to New Orleans. What's our, what's our we're agenda? Going to, we're going to New Orleans today. After like after lunch, we're going to New Orleans. I've been eating disgust like beignets or what are we talking? Uh, boudin, boudin. What's a boudin? It's like I'm sure back in the day they used the casing with intestines, but it's like a little sausage with rice and uh, ground pork. Oh yeah, it's delicious. Oh yeah. dude, it's so delicious. Oh. How far from Any, New Orleans are you? About two, uh, about hour forty five, two how hours. Long, how long are we there? I'll be there. Maybe we'll stay the night tonight. Maybe I don't know. It depends on depends on how the kids are holding up. Are you in a relative's spot? Are you in like an Airbnb right now? Yeah, this is my my this is my uh, my grandfather's cousin's house. Grandfather's. She cousin's sold house. him this house when she passed away. I mean, I'm I've gone back in time, Jack. Yeah, Jack. I, mean, I have gone. People still have ten roofs. Tin roof? Yeah. I, I mean, tin roof is one thing. I, I'm down with the yellow wallpaper. I know. Dude. Is that yellow wallpaper it, or yellow paint? I'm sorry. It's yellow paint. Paint. Okay. Yellow yeah, paint. No, so, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's first class. It, I've come back. I've literally gone back in time. Like, when I come out here, I'm like, huh, we're still having these conversations. <laughs> oh, oh, got it. I read a lot. It, no, it just in and gen, like in just I don't know in everything. Like, feels like you just go back in time in a lot of ways, and so many like, like even just how things are made and built. I don't know. I can't describe it unless you're here. Where are you going to watch LSU Bama this weekend? You're going to be there Saturday, right? I I am. I might watch it. I will probably watch it at my grandmother's house, uh, but. It's it's a huge game. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. Yeah, and like the game's been sold out forever. Like that's it. You, what's crazy is you can hear the game 
throughout all of Baton Rouge. Oh, I'm sure you can. I've never been. I've never been to the Red Stick. I've been in New Orleans. No, New Orleans not is a Red Stick guy. What? What? You went there for Final Four stuff? No, I went to the Final. I went to New Orleans to visit my buddy who was going to um, Tulane Law School like ten years ago now. But I remember just walking around New Orleans. The thing that I brought back with me is just this. Like I, I just smelled my the smell. clothes smelled like crawfish and for life. like days later, even after a wash. It just had that smell, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It wasn't like a bad smell. No. But it was like, but it was still like off-putting. Like, ooh, why do I? Well, still smell I always like- tell tourists. You can tell tourists that are not from Louisiana. You can you can spot them out in New Orleans. Because, Listen to you, dude. All, you've been back for like a day and a half. I guess you do have I a Florida Lee tattoo on yourself. So, but you can you can spot them for the fact that they wear like sandals. Dirt when they uh, walk yeah. through. Oh, I was definitely rocking flip flops. Uh, like that walking is the around, worst place. Walking around the French Quarter, you're just trouncing through urine and all kinds of uh, urine, human, human horse shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's like that's the only. That's what I always tell people if they go in to visit. Don't wear flip flops around fucking. No, don't wear it around New Orleans because there's. The, the amount of crap that's on the street. You literally you might step in well, you're from San Francisco. What am I talking about? Yeah, you're talking to the wrong guy. I am, I know, I, I just I realized that you have you have an act on your phone. <laughs> um all right. Let's get you back to the family and let's get over to Tom Hudson. Let's do it. Tommy, do it for us. From the corner! All right, voice of the Zags, Tom Hudson, joining the show now. Tom, you've been courtside for not one but two Gonzaga games now. Uh, it's crazy to think that, that we're in November, and you've got two games under your belt. Uh, but the first question I want to ask, I think everyone's asking a week removed from the Tennessee game, um, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what went wrong in the second half? I mean, what is your takeaway from the experience of the super secret scrimmage that was on pay-per-view? In, in Texas. You know what's what's funny, Jack? I'm going to say this before we, we get deep. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting with it being out there for people to see. Right, you know, right after the game that we played, right, you, you see on social media, you know, the basketball writers, like, you know, Houston beat Duke by 11 in their secret scrimmage. You know, Cougars look really good. Duke played without two of their top seven. And the Houston fans feel pretty good. Like, Hey, we beat Duke. The Duke fans feel okay. Like, Hey, you know, we lost by 11 to a really good Houston team and we didn't have our two best guys. So nothing to worry about because you just saw it in print. Right. And it was just a real quick thing on social totally. media and then you totally. kind of walk away and I'm 100%. sure you fret a little bit if you're new, but no, no big deal. Right. And then for us, you see it. Right. And, and if there would have been a written report on our game against T, it probably would have gone along the lines of well, Gonzaga shot 63% in the first half led by four Tennessee pulled away late. You know, and, and we wouldn't have had that like, oh, my gosh, what you know, what happened? You know, so I, I think that part was was a little bit interesting. And you, you kind of had that feeling, you know, in talking to people it was like there's probably going to be an overreaction one way or the other. You know, if we would have won that game by 20. Oh, my gosh, this team's going to win the national championship. Yep. Let's just, you know, let's just <laughs> I'd, be, in, you know? yeah, and, I'd book a ticket. And, to you know, and the fact that, that we didn't uh, that we didn't win it went the other way. Right. The Gonzaga is overrated, blah, blah. You know, I think. You know, a little bit what you saw, Jack, was, I mean, Tennessee uh, has a veteran team 
Uh, I think Tennessee was really fired up to play, you know, I, I, and talking to Rick Barnes before the game, you know, I was like, Hey, he's like, I don't want people to call us a scrimmage. He's like, this is like an exhibition game, like an NBA exhibition. Like we're getting ready for the season. Like this game, you know, this counts because that was one of the, the first questions I asked. I was fortunate enough to, to do the game. And uh, you know, I was like, so what are we doing? Are you guys, you know, I don't want to act like this is a, a final four championship type of a game. If, you know, you guys are going to play your starters for, you know, 15 minutes and then, you know, bring in your, you know, your end of the bench guys and like, how are we doing this? And, you know, the, the general thing was like, Hey, and, and coach view was the same, like we're playing this thing to win. And, and I felt like Tennessee had a, a little bit of a chip uh, on the shoulder, you know, and I think one of the things that we're, we're starting to see now uh, is, you know, the Gonzaga brand, the Gonzaga name means something. And that was a, that was a big thing for Tennessee to beat Gonzaga. And, and, you know, and living up to that and, and meeting that, uh, you have to do every night now. And it may be a little bit of a cliche, but it's but it really is true. And I just kind of felt like, you know, the second half, Tennessee got going a little bit. They got better defensively uh, and we didn't necessarily get better defensively. And, and it looked like, uh, you know, their big guys kind of wore Drew out a little bit, I, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some work to do. Right. And, and I mean, it, it's a young team. And I, I think the, the one great thing that you take out of that is instead of maybe playing two exhibition games at home, you know, like we played Warner Pacific last night, um, you know, you, you played a game and I think got a really good sense of, okay, this is what we're going to need to be and what we're going to, you know, have to work on. And this is what we're going to face, especially in this, you know, this pre-conference schedule. Uh, and we need to figure this out pretty quick because it's going to get hard in a hurry. I, I can't remember the last time watching a Gonzaga game at home. Or maybe, I mean, the national championship is one thing. Uh, things got really out of hand there late first half and then second half, bye-bye. Alabama felt tight, but you didn't really think we were going to lose the game until about like maybe four minutes to go. Arkansas, kind of a similar situation. Uh, when was the last time, again, I recognize it doesn't matter. When was the last time you had that feeling in the second half, like, oh, we are not winning this with like 12 minutes to go? Yeah, gosh, that's a that's a great question. I mean, obviously the, the Baylor game, it, you know, kind of uh, uh, makes you feel that way a little bit, you know. But even that night, I kind of felt a few times you're like, gosh, we could just get a stop here and maybe put a little bit of pressure on them. Maybe, you know, I mean, it still doesn't feel good, but, uh, you know, that, that never happened. And that, that's probably the last time that you that you really felt like, OK, you know, wait a second. Like this is this feels different right now, you, you know, because it always feels like with as good as coach Hughes offenses have been over all these years. And now that, you know, they put an emphasis on the defensive end here over these last six or seven years, you always kind of felt like, Hey, you know, there's a chance. And, and I, I did feel like, you know, in that game uh, that, that we got run down a little bit. And, and, you know, I think too, Jack, that one of the, the problems of, of that game, you know, for us is, you know, you've got a lot of new faces, you know, and we're talking about all the veterans Gonzaga has and all the veterans Tennessee has, uh, you know, but there's some guys stepping into some pretty big roles that haven't, played a whole lot of minutes for us. I think maybe that was a little bit of a wake up call of, okay, this is, this is what it takes to play at this level. And, and this is what works. You know, when we saw what Tennessee was doing and, and how hard they were playing, how hard they were cutting, you know, their ability to get open shots, their ability to clamp down on defense in, in the second half, but, you know, and I'm hopeful that that's one of the things, you know, some of the young guys kind of figured out because I do think we've gotten spoiled in, in the fact that for so many years, you know, these young guys have just come in and it just keeps rolling, right? You know, I mean, I think Andrew Nemhard was a really, really, really good player, right? And, and you know, Jalen Suggs was a really good player. I and mean, those are your last two point guards. And now, you know, you hand it over to Nolan Hickman, who I think can be a really, really good player too. But we've been spoiled in that it just has, 
felt like almost seamlessly, you know, it's like, okay, well, we just kind of keep on rolling. But the fact is, you, you know, you've got to learn how to play. You, you know, I, I mean, th this level is a different level. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Nolan and Hunter, because he's stepping into a bigger role. I mean, you know, Malachi Smith transferring in, you know, he's transferring up from Tennessee, Chattanooga. And we talked to him about, you know, kind of the the expectations. And, and he was told by the NBA draft guys, you know, you need to go somewhere where you're going to play in these high level games. So, you know, he's learning that now versus, you know, at Tennessee Chattanooga, where, you know, maybe the competition level wasn't, you know, quite as high. So you now we've got some guys, I think, that are stepping up. And I would even say Anton to a degree, despite the fact that he's a, a senior, you know, moving into that that starting lineup right now and, and kind of figuring out those expectations. I think we've got a lot of guys that are, that are moving into places that, that are going to have to, you know, learn and, and step forward. And, and fortunately, over this 23 or 24 or 28 year, depending on, you know, what <laughs> what era of history you come from, you know, over this over this stretch, they, they've been able to do that. And that, that part's been pretty remarkable. Let's talk about starting lineups uh, there while you mentioned it. Just about every publication and casual Zag fan had Malachi penciled into the starting lineup as soon as we heard that he was transferring. That's kind of the playbook, right? You get, the, sure, a school lower level UT Chattanooga, but he was conference player of the year. I don't care what conference you're in. If you're the conference player of the year, you are a player. And you come over kind of like a mercenary this day and age of college basketball. Gonzaga's a really good team, but, you know, they're missing some firepower. You plug him in as a score in the starting lineup. Two exhibition games in, he's not in the starting lineup. Anton's taking that role, which obviously they're very different players. That shifts everything around. Uh, what do you think is missing from Malachi's game that he can't, crack that starting lineup because I have to imagine he transferred to start not to come off the bench well Mo and I have talked about that like right as you're going through like who's going to start and what's that that starting lineup going to look like and you're right you know that was kind of our mentality it was like you're not transferring in to come off the bench you know especially after you've had the success that Malachi has but you know I think he understands he's a great kid I mean he's unbelievable and I think you know with Rashir coming back um, it, you know, I, I think that kind of, uh, you know, put Malachi in an interesting spot because when you talk to him, he played point guard at, at Tennessee Chattanooga, you know, he had the ball in his hands a lot. Um, but I don't know that he's a true point. Right. And so I, I think then it just kind of gets clogged up. It was interesting, you know, talking to coach few, uh, about the Tennessee scrimmage before the game and kind of what they wanted to do. And he's like, Hey, we've got different packages and different things that we want to look at and we want to see how they work. You know, Anton withdrew. You know, Efton withdrew and then going with a four guard lineup withdrew. Right. And, and seeing how that kind of works. And so, you know, I think some of that, uh, Jack, is probably kind of work in progress stuff. And, you know, I know you say this sometimes and then a lot of times it doesn't work out. We're like, hey, we could adjust our starting lineup to whoever we're playing or kind of do whatever we want to do. And, and Coach View over the years usually does stick with that starting five. But then we'll you know, he can go to you know some of those smaller lineups. So I would suspect that in some of those lineups, you know, they'll slide Julian into the four and then have Malachi uh, in there as well. Um, but it is, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you, you look at the personnel and, and I think Malachi is a little bit unique to, to our guards uh, and that he's bigger. You know, I think he's listed at 6'4", 205. But when you see him playing, he looks, you know, 215, 220. I mean, he's a bigger, you know, uh, kind of a guard. And it'll be interesting that. to see, you know, if, yeah. if you can get him on the floor and, you know, post him up a little bit and do some stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's bigger than listed. He just looks, maybe he's like carrying it differently. Maybe he's not in tip top game yeah. shape. Um, I'm not here to body shame Tom. I'm the last one that's going to do that, <laughs> but he looks, I mean, he looks thick. There's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, 
we've mentioned this a couple of times um, leading up to the season. The rotation for the Zags is going to look one way November, December. It's going to look another way January through the rest of the season, and it's going to stay that way. Few is going to play eight players. I don't care who says what about how deep the team is. There's going to be the five starters uh, that we've named. So, you know, Hickman, Anton, Regier, uh, Timmy, who am I missing? Julian, Julian. of course. Julian, of course. Then you have to imagine Malachi's coming off the bench. You have to imagine Hunter's coming off the bench. Who's the eighth guy off the bench that you see? Is it an well, Efton Reed type? That's what's going to be interesting. It's, it's Efton is what you're going to think, right? Is that he's going to be, because Coach Buell always likes to play that, you know, that three-man rotation, at, you know, the, the four and the five. Um, you know, I would imagine if he keeps coming along that, that it will be him, you know? And, and I think, you know, Jack, he's going to be a big key to this because one of the things that I kind of felt like against Tennessee, you know, those those bigs wore Drew out a little bit, you know, and that the, the Plopsic kid, I mean, he's 7'1", 265 pounds, and he was leaning on Drew and making it hard for Drew, and and he wasn't getting his post touches, you know, on the low block. He was getting them at the high block, and, and it, you know, it's making his, his life a little bit difficult. So, you know, I kind of think if Efton and Anton, too, you know, can score it a little bit, if you can give Drew, uh, you know, a little bit of a blow in some of those games where, you know, somebody's got a, a, a deep rotation, you know, and those guys can perform, you know, and they don't have to be Drew by any stretch, but, you know, where you can feel comfortable, like, okay, I'm going to throw the ball down there, and we can still score, you know, I, I think that that's going to help this team out, out a lot. And so I, I think Efton will, will fill in that, you know, that role is, you know, being the, the first big off the bench. I, I just think it's going to be interesting. You know, hopefully he can keep developing uh, so that you feel comfortable, you know, giving him the ball and, and allowing him to go score it a little bit. And you won't obviously throw it to him like you throw it to Drew every time down, you know, and you won't be asking him to, to do that, I don't think. But at least – you know, keeping the other team honest and allowing Drew to, to get a break and maybe Drew to, to sit and see what the other team's doing a little bit, um, I, I think would uh, would be huge for this team. So, yeah, it is. It's interesting because, you know, I was asked the question, hey, is there any way, you know, it's like 12 deep, you know, is there any way like you just play two five men? It's like absolutely not. You, you know, I mean, it's just it, you're right. I mean, Coach Drew's going to play an eight man rotation um, and, and that's how it's going to go. And I, I think if you know, that group kind of gets rolling. I mean, there's, there is a ton of talent there, right? And there, there's no doubt about that. And it's just, you know, kind of getting going. And, and the, the thing about the schedule, we all love the schedule, but the thing is they better get going pretty quick because, you know, <laughs> the, the beginning of the year, it, it, it comes at you in a hurry. But I think it's going to be Efton and, and uh, or Efton, excuse me. And I, I think that uh, he has a chance to, to be pretty good. You know, the, the interesting thing, Jack, when you look at last year and you look at the dynamic of this team, I mean, think about having Drew and Chet, right? So Chet's a stretch, right? I mean, he can step out and knock down three. So now you're, you know, space is open up for Drew and you've got all these things, you know, that, that are potentially going on. And right now, just the way that the, the the skills of the players we have in the roster right now aren't like that. And I mean, Chet's a, you know, once in a generation type of a player. So, uh, you know, I, I think you have to adjust to that a little bit too, that you don't necessarily have you know, another guy who's going to draw a lot of offensive attention, you know, and get the ball and, and take a little bit of pressure off of, uh, off Drew right now. Uh, speaking of Drew, we talked a little bit about this uh, off air. Drew is an incredible player. He's one of the greatest, most accomplished college basketball players in the history of the sport. End of sentence. He all that being said, he's at his best when he's the second option. I think anyone would agree with that. Is Julian ready to be the first option on this team? Well, 
that's interesting, right? Because I, I think Julian's in that spot too. And it's great for me. Like I, I love talking to Mo and Mo obviously has a little different outlook than, than most people, you know, when, when you, you know, and I'll kind of pose those questions to him, like making that jump, you know, from your freshman year to your sophomore year, or you're like for Mo, okay, you had a really good sophomore year. Now you're, you know, expecting to, to in your own mind, you're expecting to take off. Nobody expected him to lead the nation in scoring necessarily, but you're like kind of what is that, the mentality and what's it like going from, okay, you're the third option or you're the fourth option. Nobody really knew about you. You know, on the scouting report, there's like, hey, you know, it's like, hey, you can shoot threes, you know, whatever, can't drive. Like, you know, I mean, it's almost an afterthought. Two, okay, you're the guy at the top of the scouting report and you're going to get doubled and, you know, the best defender is going to be chasing you around the floor all night. And, you know, and how do you, re- you respond to that? You know, and I think, you know, for Julian, he's in that spot right now. Uh, where it's going to be like, okay, I mean, this kid's right at the top of the scouting report now. We need to, if we're going to beat Gonzaga, we need to, to stop him. And then I, I think with, you know, with Julian as well as he's trying to expand his game, you know, I mean, he goes from averaging three points a game as a freshman to, you know, knocking down some big shots last year and, and really shooting the three well, you know, to now being asked if he wants to play at the next level to be able to put the ball on the ground a little bit and to be able to get to the rim and do some of those things. Uh, you know, that that plays a factor in it, too, because he's trying to expand his game. You know, meanwhile, you know, he's getting a whole lot of attention. So, you know, I think it's I think it's there for sure. I, I do. I, I, I like Julian's game. And, and I think, um, you know, especially if you can get him in a situation where you're playing that smaller lineup, you know, and maybe he's getting some, you know, some different defensive matchups. You know, if he's playing, you know, a, a small four, essentially. Um, you know, I, I think he can have some success. But I, like I said, it, it's the same thing for me. Um, you know, is even like looking at, you know, Nolan and Hunter a little bit as you move into these new roles, you know, it's going to take a little time. You know, I, I think that so often we just kind of assume, and again, we've been so spoiled with Gonzaga, the guys are just going to make that jump and it's going to be the seamless, you know, the seamless deal. But uh, like I said, you know, even talking to somebody who was as good a player as Mo, um, you know, and obviously he was, you know, unique, uh, but there is a little bit of an adjustment of, you know, and he and I have talked, he's told stories. You know, there were some games we played. I remember we played Georgia Tech when they were ranked third in the country. We played in Las Vegas. It was one of those huge games that we won that nobody really ever talks about because Georgia Tech's kind of fallen off, uh, you know, the, the national landscape. But, you know, he said, hey, coach kind of pulled him aside. He's like, Mo, we need you to do this, right? You need to score X number of points if we're going to have a chance to, to win the game, right? And, and so, you know, that, I mean, there's pressure that comes with that, right? There, there's a different step up in, in how, you know, you're, being defended, what your expectations are versus being the, you know, fourth or fifth guy in this counter report. So I, I think Julian has it in him. I, I, I do, um, you know, just hopefully, you know, he's able to, to work his, his way into it. Cause I, I don't think it's as easy sometimes as it looks like, Oh, we got all these guys back. They're going to be great. Well, you know, that's great. You're left wide open and you're knocking down threes. That's good. Now what happens when somebody's in your back pocket the entire game and, and, and figuring out how to adjust to that. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit to uh, Tom Hudson career talk. Uh, you would never bring this up in the interview yourself because you're way too professional, way too humble. You just called the first ever pay-per-view college basketball game in history. How cool was yeah. that? Talk to me about who gave you the call uh, when you said yes and the whole experience down there in Dallas. Uh, Jack, thanks. It was it was actually fun. It, it was really good. And uh, John Graff, who was the producer for Intersport, you know, they were the ones that, that put on the game, uh, you know, gave me a call and said, hey, you know, we're trying to do this game. And, you know, here's the deal. And we, you know, we'd love to have you come and do it. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, obviously there were some, you know, I mean, I have a job and, you know, you're trying to work that out. And because it was pay-per-view, uh, you know, they were trying to raise money for the McClendon Foundation. There wasn't going to be any radio broadcasts. And so I uh, was able to work out. It was great. And they, they wanted somebody from, the, you know, the 
Gonzaga perspective and somebody from Tennessee. So Dane Bradshaw, who works for the SEC network, uh, who played at Tennessee in the, the mid 2000s, uh, was, you know, was that guy. And so, you know, initially it was kind of funny because when John, the producer called, he said, hey, we're working on, you know, another analyst or, you know, kind of going back and forth. And then, you know, we said it was going to be Fran Priscilla. It was like, oh, this is great. I mean, Fran is a great guy. He's been so kind. You know, I see him all over the place. And he's a guy that always stops and says hello and you, you can talk and, um, you know, so that was great, obviously, having his, you know, his knowledge and his expertise. I was joking with Coach Few. I said, you know, I said, Fran's one of those guys, like baseball guys just crack me up. Speaking of which, by the way, Houston Astrodome back here. How about my no-hitter last night, Jack, to, to get things going? That really is a picture of the Astrodome back there behind me. Um, well, I get, uh, <laughs> I get, we're on a delay here. Sorry. I honestly, this is no joke, walking home from the gym this morning, I turned the World Series off last night when it was 5 nothing. And then walking uh-huh. home this morning at like, I don't know, 7.30, I checked ESPN and I was like, oh, Astros had a no-hitter. So it yeah. shows you where I'm at in terms of tabs yeah, on baseball. Right. It took me 12 <laughs> hours to figure it out. Yeah, no, it is funny, right? But it's it's funny because like I, I do laugh at baseball guys sometimes and that you'll be sitting having a conversation with them and then, you know, two of them will start talking and be like, hey, remember back in 1998, you know, we were, you know, down at Santa Clara and it was game two of the series, you know, and it's like it's the sixth inning and we're hit 5-1 and, you know, we hang a slider and the guy just misses it, and, you know, and this, like the encyclopedia, of knowledge for me is just is fascinating you know I used to think I had a pretty decent memory but when you're around people like that it's like oh my gosh and you know Fran Fraschilla is very much like that I mean he has memories of everything and he's so good at you know and, and such a such a great human being you know it's just fun to be around and, and you know it includes you in everything and so that was obviously great to, to be able to work with him and Dane was great to work with yeah it was fun it was uh it was a different experience obviously for me um, you know, and, and having, you know, a lot of people involved in what you're doing, you know, the radio, I mean, Hey, it starts and you kind of go, you know, and, and with, you know, doing the TV thing, obviously there's a lot of, you know, pre-produced stuff. And then, you know, the fact that it, it was really unique, no commercial timeouts, right. Yeah. So once we went on the air, I mean, we went for two and a half hours, you know, and, and, uh, uh that part was a little bit interesting because you never really had an opportunity to stop and talk to anybody about, Hey, you know, should we try this or, Hey, are we good? Or do you want me to do something different? You know, that, that part was a little different, but it was also fun. I, you know, I, I thought, you know, coach few, you, you know, cause he's a really big proponent of trying this and, and seeing kind of where it went, you know, the fact that he was willing to put a microphone on, you know, was, was a pretty incredible and a, a big part of the broadcast. I thought, you know, for the, the referee to, to wear the mic uh, was great, you know, and then, you know, Fran Priscilla coached with coach Barnes, you know, for those who didn't see the broadcast. So, you know, the fact that Fran was able to take his wireless mic and go sit on the, the Tennessee bench and have a conversation with Rick Barnes, and they had some great production elements to it. You know, I mean, I honestly thought one of the best parts of it, you know, at one point they actually wanted us to interview the, the ref. And, you know, right as we were going to him, uh, Zakai Ziegler, the, the point guard for Tennessee, you know, a foul had just been called. And he walked over to the ref to talk to him about it. And so you hear the conversation between the ref and the player. Right. And then Rick Barnes calls him over and he goes over and you're hearing because right, you guys, I, I mean, people that are watching the game. I mean, I, I hear some of it when I'm, you know, because we're sitting there right next to Coach Few, but you know, you don't get that opportunity to hear, okay, what's he really saying? Like what conversation is going on there? And it's not always, hey, you're terrible, you made a lousy call. You know, I mean, there's usually a, some aspect of that when asking for the interpretation of the call. But you know, you heard Coach Barnes say, Well, hey, why can't he? Or, you know, was his body here or where does it need to be? And I, I thought that that stuff was was really fun. And and obviously doing the interviews, getting to talk to Jeremy Pargo was awesome to see Jeremy. I haven't seen him for a few years and, and we were able to have him on. And was he just, uh, was and, he and just was there? Awesome. Was Jeremy just there hanging yeah. out and you guys went and grabbed him? So, yeah, we, so you know what they did is it was the, the national retired uh, professional basketball players association that helped put on the game. 
And so they brought in, you know, a handful of retired players who were there. And it was, you know, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we had Dale Ellis uh, was there from, from Tennessee. It was great talking to him. And, and, boy, you talk about getting some really unique perspective. You know, a guy who came into the league when they didn't have the three-point shot and then all of a sudden becomes one of the, you know, the best to ever do it. You, you know, what, what a fascinating thing talking to him. But it was great to see Pargo. Like I said, I haven't seen him for a while. And I always like to remind him he had the best dunk that ever counted that I ever saw. We were up at the – Great Alaska shootout, and and he went down the baseline and dunked. They called a horrible offensive foul, you know. So every time I see him, I get to you know give him a little bit of props for that. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it was it was a, a neat broadcast. Uh, it, it was it, it was really cool to do. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. Uh, I thought the broadcast was excellent, and I'm not just blowing smoke here. I mean, you never know. I was skeptical. I didn't even know if there's going to be a score bug, um, but it felt like a real high level network broadcast. Um, so kudos there. Uh, how was the after party? What watering hole did you hit with Frischilla afterwards? You know, we could do a podcast, Jack, on the perception of of cities and sizes of towns and how it correlates to their nightlife. And, you know, I mean, over the years, right, I mean, I've been everywhere. I mean, the fact that we play in a league where, you know, you go to the Bay Area, you go to L.A., you go to San Diego – Right. We've been in New York City, blah, blah, blah. We've been to, to all these big places. Right. And all you ever hear is like Spokane, everything shuts down early and there's nothing, you know, like nothing to do, nowhere to go, blah, blah, blah. Well, here we are. in you know, essentially Dallas, I mean, we're in Frisco, which is right outside of Dallas. And so we get off the air. It's about 1030. And, you know, and Fran's talking to everybody because he knows everyone. So it takes a few minutes to get out of the gym. And he had a great uh, pizza place he wanted to take us to. It was closed. Uh, we tried to find another place that was closed, drove in a parking lot. And it was closed. And so we finally just found this place that to be honest, I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, we walked in and we sat down and we ordered a beer and then we said, Hey, can we order some food? And they're like, Oh no, the kitchen's closed. We're just like, huh, okay. Well, I mean, it was almost impossible to find food. And then it's like, well, Hey, there's a cheesecake factory in the mall. You're like, okay, great. Well, that's closed. So we, we couldn't really find anything. And, uh, it was actually funny. Dave Bradshaw, you know, he went to the crafty, like kill him with kindness. You know, the, the waitress walked by and said, Hey, he's like, that guy's food looks pretty fresh. Like it looks like it just came out of the oven. Do you think there's any way you could go back and ask really nice if, if we could, you know, if maybe you could get us something, we'll order right now. And, and sure enough, she came out and, and actually took care of us. So yeah, the, the nightlife part of it for us was, was pretty boring just because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't much going on. I mean, everything was closed, but like I said, I always laugh because it, it happens so often, you know, where you're like, okay, well, we're in Los Angeles and everything's open. It's just crazy. You know, you can get anything you want 24 hours a day. And then Coming back from a game, it's like closed, 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 closed. Okay, well, you know, there we go. I guess we're going to bed without any dinner. But, uh, no, it was it, it was fun. It, it was, uh, uh, you know, great to talk to those guys and kind of hang out. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty low-key. Uh, you didn't join the Standardford conversation with the Big 12 commissioner that night? You guys uh, were invited to No, that? I was not privy to that conversation. I, I was uh, I was not. <laughs> Um, yep. I, we, you, you don't have to comment too much on it, but, uh, I mean, look, every six months there's conversation of the Zags joining another conference, right? But yeah. they've never had more leverage than they do right now in terms of joining a conference that's down and out on its luck, uh, big 12 and pac 12 being, being the two there. I, I mean, there's, there's almost no information. Uh, people are just yeah. reporting that they had conversations and they've had conversations. Big deal. Your two cents. Yeah. If you have anything. And I think that that's I, I think that that's an interesting part of it because I, I had uh, actually Fran had mentioned something to me. You know, we kind of laughed where I was like, you know, it's like, man, if I have a dollar for every time that somebody told me we were, you know, we were yeah. removing conferences and you know, and 
you know, I, I've had a couple people over the years tell me they were 100% sure they had it on great knowledge that we were indeed going to the Big East. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I even we'll heard see. that. It doesn't mean that it's, it's not happening, you yeah. know, but it's like, okay. So, you know, we kind of laughed about it and, and um, you know, but he had said that he'd heard a little bit of rumblings. And look, I think, and Gonzaga hasn't been shy in this, right? It's like, we're going to continue to look out for our best interests. Um, I think, obviously, when you look at size of school, you look at, you know, the, the affiliation, the Jesuit affiliation, you know, the WCC makes a lot of sense, you, you know, like minded, like sized, you know, institutions. Uh, but like you said, I, I mean, we're in this, this point of college athletics right now where you just don't know where we're headed and stuff is just bouncing around so fast. I mean, I, I think the concern is you don't want to just sit back and say, okay, we're comfortable where we are. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and, you know, the newspaper says, Hey, all of these schools are joining this thing and they're breaking off and they're doing their own deal. And you're on the outside looking in. Right. So I, I think you do have to talk to people and you do have to listen to people and, uh, you know, just make sure that you that you're in a position uh, that yes, indeed, that, you know, when, Hey, when the music stops and they pull the chairs that you're, you know, you're sitting in, in the one that didn't get pulled. And, and I, I think, you know, having conversations with the Big 12, I mean, look, they're trying to do big things, right? They don't want to get swallowed up. And that's what we see has happened, right? From the top, SEC takes some schools. Now you're like, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, Big 12 is not going to exist. They're losing Texas and Oklahoma. Well, now they're going out and finding, you know, different institutions. And now the, the conferences that they're pulling teams from are trying to, you know, fight for their survival. And so I think there's so many moving parts right now. I, I mean, look, it's awesome I mean, to, to think, I mean, go back to even when you were in school, Jack, would you have ever imagined that we would be having these conversations no. that, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 really want Gonzaga? You know, no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, there's, there's a great honor to that, I think, you know, and speaks so much to, to where the program is. You know, I think obviously you have to listen. I think the Big 12, you know, I mean, they're not going to talk to you if there isn't even at least a, an initial thought of like, yeah, we'd like to have them. You know, Mo and I talked about this uh, last night during the pregame show. I mean, I think one of the things obviously that you're always going to be working on is the non-football component, you know. And so Big 12 just signed their big media rights deal, right? And I don't know if you saw, I, I want to say, uh, you know, maybe in the, the vicinity of $20 million a year is what the schools are going to get with all their media rights, you know, stuff. Well, you know, those schools all have football. And, and as we know, for as much as we love Gonzaga and we know what Gonzaga has done for our community and, and what the basketball program has done for the university, you know, football is the driver at all those other places. You know, and even the schools, you know, Duke football, I mean, it, you know, they bring in a pretty good amount of money, even though they haven't been as good as their, their basketball program, right? And so uh, I, I think that becomes the kind of the, the, not the sticking point, but that's an interesting thing. Because if you're an athletic director and your team has football and that's what's driving a good percentage of the contract, how much money are you willing to give a school that doesn't have football? You know, and, and where does that fit? And it's not just one of those schools. It's all, I don't even know how many schools are in the big 12 right now. <laughs> I mean, you lose count as we're subtracting and adding and all the other stuff. But so I think that's obviously one, one of the big things. And for as awesome as it would be in the TV package to have Gonzaga in Kansas twice a year and Gonzaga in Baylor and, you know, Gonzaga in Texas tech and, you know, I mean, BYU's in there. So, I mean, that still would give them a, a strong kind of West coast rivalry. Um, you know, where, where does that work financially for everybody that, that's in the mix? And so, you know, I don't think it's as easy as, right, in this day and age, we see a report. It's like, okay, this is absolutely done deal happening. Um, you know, they met, and, and I, I'm not privy to what went on in that conversation without a, you know, without a doubt. I mean, they may be signing a contract right now, and I, you know what, I don't have any idea. But I, I just, I, I do think, and I say that facetiously. Let's not go with that. But, but I do think that there are some logistics to it that are new in college sports, right? Because even five years ago, the thought of adding a 
team to a conference that doesn't have a football team would almost be, you know, I mean, we've heard the Pac-12 rumblings. Oh, it'd be great if, you know, Pac-12 could add Gonzaga. But there was always the football component to that. And I think we're in a new world, right, where maybe those, you know, some of the conferences are like, all right, how do we bolster our deal even a little bit more? And, you know, does it does it work to do this? So it'll be uh, interesting and exciting to see. I mean, you know, it definitely keeps the Zags uh, out there, you know, kind of in the, the stratosphere and the social media sphere. And uh, I saw Chris last night. I didn't have the heart to, to ask him. And we joked and we talked for a second. But I... I didn't have the the heart to to say, hey, break it down for me. I figured we'd give him a a couple hours. I'll see him again in the next couple of days and maybe bust his chops. Yeah, you said it best, Tom. I think Zach fans always need a friendly reminder that for as much as we love college basketball and as much as it matters to us for six months out of the year, for the rest of the sporting world, this sport matters for three to six weeks in late spring. And that matters when you sign contracts. Football is king. He's Tom Hudson. I got to run. Tom Hudson, thank you for your time this morning, and good luck on the aircraft carrier. Hopefully you passed your background check. Yeah, thanks, Jack. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Great talking to you. From the corner! All right, thank you once again to Tom Hudson. That is our show. I'm pausing so Rob can find his I know. I, I, I'm I ready. Am. I'm ready. Okay. All right, Rob, what do you got for us? Surround yourself with positive people who will support you when it rains, not when it just shines. From the corner! And it's over! Gonzaga! The slipper still fits! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.